Bruce, the stars are aligning for this Misfits Red Carpet Spooktacular on May 19th. Oh, my God, I can't wait for it. I'm so That's excited. awesome. I'm sorry I walked out of that meeting in a big huff and didn't really participate. It's okay. We got the stuff written without you. All, all is good. Don't worry. About awesome. It. So for today's show, as a teaser for the Misfits Red Carpet Spooktacular, I've got something that is mind-blowing. Oh, I think I know what this is. Dude, I am going to play for the first time ever an unreleased Misfits record. It's a test pressing, right? It's an acetate. It means they made it. You can only play it a couple times. It wears out. This thing's never been played before. And I've got a friend, Denny, who loaned me this thing for the day. And we're going to record it as we play it so he has a copy of it. That's the guy with the Misfits Museum in his house, right? It is, yeah. This dude is such a gigantic Misfits fan, aside from having a Misfits Museum in his house. And I'm not even joking. And this is the piece of resistance is this record. He changed his name to Glanzig. His first name is Denny, and now he goes by Den Glanzig. That is a level of commitment. That's beyond a tattoo, I'll tell you why. So I'm going to play this record. What's, it, uh, what songs are on it? It's handwritten on the cover, so I, I didn't hear, I don't think I've heard of either, any of these rec- these songs. Uh, Dunko in the Night. I'm not familiar. Bloody Red Blood. That one I'm familiar with. And The Creature Walks Among Us, which I'm guessing is the precur- That's, precursor to It is, Among actually, Us. Dave, and that's my favorite unrecorded Misfits song. Awesome. Uh, this is the Googie era. It's Glenn, Jerry, Doyle, and Arthur Googie. And at the end of the show, we're going to play this. So get ready to record, people. You'll hear this only one time. Awesome. Let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, all other podcasts are about to become obsolete. Broadcasting from TSS Studios, high atop Mount Dora in Central Florida, this show sucks! I'm your MC, Johnny Dangles, and now, here they are, the Lucy and Desi of American Hardcore, Dave and Bruce! So, how was our weekend, Dave? Why don't you tell everyone? I thought we had a delicious weekend, Bruce. Uh, well, tell everyone what we did. Or what you did. I was nice enough to ask my friend Bruce out to go dumpster diving. That part was nice. We used to do it a lot back in New Jersey and Connecticut. Found some very cool stuff, yeah. Laptops, all kinds of cool stuff. Yes, that's true, but... But... Okay, I took him behind the high-end steak and seafood restaurant. My car still smells like fish. Listen, dude, they have the best cold water lobster tails like in the country and it's it's aged prime beef dude i i like prime beef but i don't like it's, to eat it while leaning up against the dumpster i just there's pulled it out so of. much of it that hasn't even been touched yet dude there was a beef wellington it was still warm it's their leftovers david people their teeth marks in some of it so you go home and you wash it off dude how are you ever going to survive the apocalypse now you bring up a good point now how often do you do this how often do you eat out of the dumpster at Kind of a lot. So what I'm really hearing is that this show isn't really doing too well, is it? It's doing okay. Okay. Okay, enough for you to eat out of a dumpster, Dave? I'm eating prime steak and and lobster. Are you kidding? If that's it from here on in, I'm calling you Dumpster Dave. Hey, those scallops were freaking delicious. This show sucks with Dave and Bruce is proud to be sponsored by Enemy Inc., When you need shirts, posters, or stickers printed for your band, business, or event, you call a place you can trust to get it done right and on time. And that's our friends at Enemy Inc. in Orlando, Florida. 
Punk owned and operated since 2001. Contact Enemy Inc. at enemyinc.com and tell them this show sucks sent you. Put a finger! So how's your new band doing, Dave? Oh, uh, dude, this new band is great, man. I got a money-making idea. It's going to be huge. I'm really, really excited about this new band. So wait, Creepy Crawl broke up? We had a breakup. Big Jake uh, was off on a bruise cruise tour. He's going to be gone for like six months. That's so Big Jake. It is so Big Jake. But what are you going to do? So I'm not going to sit around and wait. So I came up with something. Lay it on me, man. I'm so excited. All right. You know how Flog and Molly is a cross between traditional Irish music and punk? Very, very popular subgenre. Sure. Go-Go Bordello. Traditional gypsy music and punk. Sure. I'm going to do a band that combines traditional Italian music and punk. I mean, everybody always thought I was Italian. When I moved down to Central Florida, they never saw a Jew before. They thought I was Italian. And I'm like, I could pull this off. I, I got a great idea for it. And the concept is just like driving punk rock Italian traditional, get in my face, I get to your ass, what's the matter for you? Well, you, you know? know, I'm part Italian, and that's one of my favorite traditional Italian songs, Dave. So it <laughs> sounds like something it would, that would really appeal to me. You would dig me. this. I mean, anybody that likes anything Italian, food, women. I love it. I love them, too. Yep. You know, we could have uh, uh, sing-alongs. Manicotti, ravioli, parmigiana, nice cannoli. Oh, I love that one. Oh, That's you know great. what I'm saying? I love the Louis Primus version of that one. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is going to do good. I, I got two names I'm, I'm tossing around. Lay them on me. All right. The first one is Olive Guardian. That almost sounds like an Italian straight-edge band. Eh, a little too much red wine involved in that, you Well, think? you're right. You, you got me on that one. Uh, the other one, Sweaty Naples. Mm, I don't know about that one. You know, there's one thing, though. Like, I, I'm surprised Floridians were unfamiliar with Jewish people. Oh, it's not Floridians, dude. It's Central Florida. Like, you got uh, South Florida, the yeah. Miami area. That, that's like complete peninsula of Jews down yeah, there. Yeah, that does make sense. And around Central Florida, not so much, man. Not so much. They're starting to come in more now. There's snowbirds that are coming from up north. But, I mean, I had all these Italian girls always thinking I was Italian because, you know, there's so few Italians down here, too. Yeah, and the schnoz. Yeah, the schnoz would do it. Yeah. You know, Little Jew is my hip-hop name at one point. Oh, no kidding. Little Jew is what my girlfriends used to call my penis. Come on to my house, to my house, I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, to my house, I'm gonna give you apple, plum, and I forgot to do Come on to my Hello, hello. Stiff Johnny Mancream. What's all this then? Having trouble with the old dingle dangle? Try Stiff Johnny Mancream and Bob's your uncle. Stiff Johnny Mancream. If it works for more than four hours, see your doctor. So, Bruce, I gotta tell you about this weird dream I had the other day. I was in the TSS studios, and you were there too. You were in this dream. And we're doing a writing session, and they get a call, and it's Jello, Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys and Portlandia. So he's like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna be in town tomorrow night. Wanted to see if you wanted to hang out with me." So we're like, you know, okay, you sure? You know, we'll figure we'll go out to dinner or something. You know, maybe a, a club and see a show. So I was like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" And he's like. You have any good karaoke clubs in your area? And I'm like, what you talking about, Jillo? For real? Karaoke clubs? That's what you want to do? He's like, yeah, that would be great. So I'm like, okay. I'm sure we do. I'll find something. So the next day, me and you, Bruce, 
we meet Jello at a local karaoke club. And we walk into this place, and it's a full-on redneck, dirty, smoky biker bar. And we're feeling really out of place. Everybody is bigger than us, and that includes the women. And there are some of the worst tattoos you've ever seen, and those are mostly on people's faces and necks. So we're looking around for Biafra, and in the corner of the room, we spot him, and he's wearing a white tuxedo. And we're like, what the fuck? So now he sees us, and he comes over, and he's like, this place is great. Thanks for coming, guys. Are you guys going to sing? And we look at each other. We're like, uh, no, this is all you, Joe. This is all you. So, you know, we're talking for a while. And, you know, Jello could talk. I'll tell you something. For those of you that don't know, that's his hobby. Uh, he doesn't stop to breathe. I'm pretty sure he's got gills. So he's talking. And finally, it's his turn to go up and sing. So me and Bruce, at this point, we're like thinking, well, this might be interesting. You know, you get to see Jello be off or sing some Johnny Cash or Patsy Klein or something cool like that. And then he starts. And we're looking at each other like show tunes? Show tunes? What the fuck? And he goes from one song to the next. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. To the next. Midnight, not a sound from the pavement. As the moon lost her memory, she is smiling alone. To the next. Marie. To the next. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere can you get the happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. He doesn't stop. And now people in the bar, you know, they're waiting to sing their country songs, man. They're starting to get fucking pissed. And, you know... People are starting to give us shit because they knew that we were talking to them. So, you know, Bruce, you're like, you know, you know, this is starting to get ugly, man. We should bail. And I'm like, you know, we can't bail. We can't just leave. And then the first bottle hits the stage. And we just look at each other like, nah, we should leave. We should leave. So we go out the side door. And right when we're closing the door, you could hear all hell breaking loose. You could hear bottles and chairs being busted. And over all that, you hear, Dave, Bruce, help! Last thing I was doing is going back into that place, not even in a dream. You know, they say there's always room for jello, 
but not in a redneck karaoke club when you're dressed in a white tuxedo and singing Broadway tunes. You know what I'm saying? Dave of Rawhide. Talking Literature with Dave from AOD and Bruce George Wingate. Have we got a surprise for you? My sidekick, Bruce Wingate, has been working on a book for a long time. It's called A Much Better Life Than Yours, and it's his story. And he's going to read some of it today for the first time, give us a little preview of it. Without any further ado, Bruce George Wingate. Chapter 1. Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin was living every lyricist's worst nightmare. He was a word or two short of completing his verse, and not even another bottle of Jim Beam or snort of Bolivian marching powder could help him find his muse. He was not a happy man, and one could cut the tension in the room with a knife. I don't know what made me think of it, I just blurted out, Hey Bobby, what if you just yelled out something like, Woo yeah, woo yeah. Robert looked over at the recording engineer, who in turn looked over to Jimmy Page who'd put down the book on tantric sex magic that I had loaned him. All three looked toward me. That's bleeding brilliant, mate, exclaimed Jimmy. From over my shoulder I heard Elvis declare, That kid is some kind of hot dog. Now that's a humdinger. It was a strange twist of fate that kept us from being at Sharon Tate's house that night. Whether you love us, yeah, or you hate us, boo. We want to hear from you, don't we, Bruce? We love to hear from our fans, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. Send all your email to this show sucks podcast at gmail.com. And we want to hear from you on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go to our website, www.thisshowsucks.com. What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you wearing? What are you thinking? What are you looking at? We need to know. Definitely. So, Dave, it says here on my index card that you've got another celebrity encounter story to share with us. I do, yeah. This, this is a weird one. I'm at my local supermarket the other day, and I'm getting the groceries, and I'm, I got my list, and I've got my cart, and I'm walking down the aisle, and this woman walks past me, and I was like, that woman looks just like Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Cheryl Teagues? No, no, Cheryl Hines from, from TV's Curb Your Enthusiasm. She plays Larry David's wife on the show. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Anyway, so I'm like, that really looks like her. So I, I kind of swing back around, and, and she's picking up stuff from the shelf, and I get close, and you know, I'm kind of waiting for somebody to recognize her and, and make my point, but nobody did. And, and you know, I'm getting closer and closer, and I'm like, dude, that's totally her. That's totally her. And, and I'm thinking, like, why is you know the star of one of my favorite shows of all time at my local supermarket doesn't make any sense my wife's never gonna believe it celebrities they're just like us yeah this is true so now i'm thinking i gotta get a picture because my wife is just gonna think i'm freaking crazy so i get on the checkout line and i'm right behind her and I got my phone, and I'm trying to take a picture of her without her knowing 
and I'm making like I'm on the phone with my wife. So I'm like, yeah, I, I got all the stuff on the list. I should be home soon. You know, it looks like there was some traffic. And I'm having this conversation. I'm frantically trying to find the camera button to take the picture. And my fingers are like bending. And right when I take the picture, right when I take the picture, she bends over to pick up her groceries from the cart and put it on the conveyor. And I get a picture of her tits because her blouse was opened. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh is right. I mean, awkward. The checkout girl sees this, and she just gives me a look, man, like I'm a pervert. She has no idea this is a celebrity. I'm just trying to take a picture. In her defense, you do look kind of pervy. I get that sometimes. So, oh, to make matters even worse, I'm wearing a dead Kennedy shirt. You know you know who her husband is, Bruce? No. Bobby Kennedy Jr. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you think? <laughs> She was really nice. I appreciate her not having me arrested that day. Much nicer than Fonzie. Fonzie was a douche. Hey. hey I'm a douche. Have I got a surprise for you guys? Oh, what do you got there, Chugo? What is that? I just picked up this Adrenaline OD interview picture disc. Oh, I remember that. That's the one from the BBC, right? I vaguely remember that. Oh, you should play that one. That'd be awesome. Oh, we're running short on time. Oh, I don't we think got we... plenty of time. Put uh, it on. I don't think so. Come on, put it on. Yeah, here we go. Awesome. Uh. It's loud, it's fast, it lasts for only two minutes. Some call it hardcore, punk's younger, angrier brother. Others call it substandard trash played by morons. With us in the BBC One studio tonight, up and coming proponents of this so-called movement, Dave of AOD and Bruce of the American hardcore band Adrenaline Odd. First, let's get it out of the way. Why the tongue twister title of the new LP, Humongous Fungus Among Us? Well, you know, uh, I'm not surprised you asked that, Clive. Uh, we've been doing a lot of press junkets for Humongous Fungus Among Us, and invariably someone always asks that question. Um, the title's partly inspired by uh, a volume of uh, E. e. Cummings' poetry that a, a fan gave me, and one of our fans. And um, I've always been interested in wordplay and... You know, the cut-up technique used by the Dadaists like uh, Brian Jason, uh, as well as David Bowie. And, um, you know, uh, that's partly the cut-up technique is how we wrote uh, Fuck the Neighbors. I've been doing a lot of shrooms. I really like the shrooms. Clearly, mainstream success is out of the question for you. And yet your lowbrow wit and tuneless buzzsaw cacophony seems to have won over some music journalists. As a result, I am now contractually obligated to ask... Where do you draw your inspiration from? Clive, I really see AOD. Uh, we're just a product of our environment, really. I mean, uh, most of our material deals with themes of contemporary suburban malaise. Fascinating. I believe it was Hemingway that actually said um, small towns had broad lawns and narrow minds, and, um, and, you know, the working class are really denied the metaphorical, the real or metaphorical mobility that could liberate us from the limited options suburbia provides. Riveting stuff. So dude, it's 8 o'clock here. What what time is it in America? You know, the 80s have really seen a decline in meaningful and remunerative employment for high school graduates, leaving little besides fast food or just, you know, dead-end jobs, really, Clive. Oh, do fuck off. Well, on the surface, I think a song like Trans Am appears to be about class struggle. But I think it also addresses larger issues of um, cultural and economic disease. You got some teeth, Clyde. A lot of your American contemporaries are abandoning hardcore for the thrash metal sounds of bands like Anthrax or Metallica. 
or the poppier punk stylings of Screeching Weasel, or the hip-hop beats of the Beastie Boys. And yet, Adrenaline OD seems to keep trudging on in the same vein. Why is that? Well, you know, I think a lot of those bands are like fads, like thrash metal and the poppier punk stuff and hip-hop. I mean, Metallica and Anthrax are good. They're not going to be around for long, though, you know? I don't see any feature in that stuff. It's a fad. I think uh, for our new record, we're actually thinking of going in a different direction of sort of mixing elements of funk and metal together. Hardcore funk rock. Have you ever heard of the Uplift Mofo Party Plan? Take it take, off. Take it off, Chico. <laughs> yeah, I think we've heard, we are a little short on time. I told now. you this was a shitty idea. Where did you say you got this copy from, Chugo? The record chalet. Oh, that, this must be my copy. I sold it to them. What did you pay for it? $75. He only gave me 20 Today's short attention span interview is sponsored by... Orlando Tattoo Company. And you can also check us out on Facebook. I am here with a true icon of hardcore. He's a frontman for the legendary New York hardcore band Agnostic Front. He's the author of the book My Riot, and he's the subject of the new documentary movie The Godfathers of Hardcore. Ladies and gentlemen, my old friend Roger Murray. Roger Murray. Aren't you French? No, Cuban. Dude, I- I've known you for like 35 years. Why didn't you ever correct me? I just figured you were stupid. And that wraps up another short attention span interview. Now back to the TSS studios. We are very lucky to have a guest with us on the show today. Very lucky. He is the author of the book, This Music Leaves Stains, which is about the Misfits. Awesome book. And he's here to dispel some of the rumors we've always heard about the Misfits and let us know what is true and what isn't. So many rumors. So We're going to get to the bottom of them today, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Green. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Well, there are a lot of rumors that we have written down, and we're just going to go through them one at a time, and maybe you could either tell us if it's real or if it's not real. How's Guys, I'd love nothing more. All right, I'll start this one out. Um, I always heard that Glenn bought an island off of Japan called Tashirajima, and it's uh, also known as a cat island because it outnumbers uh, people six that, to one with cats. That uh, statistic is true. I've read it, read that online, Dave. Does Glenn own Cat Island? Glenn does not own Cat Island. And as far as I know, he's never uh, made any uh, real estate inquiries about purchasing an island or anything uh, cat-related. He does have cats, though, right? He has cats. The only uh, I This is what I know about his real estate uh, is last year, I believe last, late July, uh, early August, he put his uh, Los Feliz property on the market. He had been using it as storage since uh, September 2005 when he purchased uh, a home originally built in 1939 that uh, is in a neighborhood that I think is, uh, I want to say Cheviot Hills. Um, can you do it, me a favor and give the address so our <laughs> fans can go and check it out themselves? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The, the address is startlingly easy to find if you Google Glenn Dancing House. Oh, I bet it is. Um, 666 Spooky Lane. <laughs> it was previously owned by Lucille Ball, and he purchased it for $1.5 million. Wow. Um, but as far as I know, he has not made any uh, purchases involving islands. Were there any uh, red pubic hairs left in the tub? The, we can uh, put that address up on the website, Dave. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Along with the Google Maps. If you're insinuating that Glenn and Carrot Top had anything going. <laughs> I have found no evidence to suggest that. He makes all his own props, you know. Who, Danzig or Carrot Top? Both, I think. Okay. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So, next question. Uh, 
I heard that Jerry left his father's machine shop business to start Harry's Razors. Is that true? Uh, that is that is not true. In fact, I'm I'm fairly certain within at least the last five years, Jerry was still working at the machine shop because he made a point in one interview when uh, the accusations of him being a rich uh, punk rock star came up. He's like, ah, I still put in hours at the machine factory and I'm still doing this thing. So none somebody's got to pay for that hair. None of them have facial hair, so that that's probably what. <laughs> That's really that's true. Really fueled the rumor. In I mean, part. It, even on their chest, when you think about it, none of them wear shirts. Do you ever see any of them with a hairy chest? No. Not at all. Mm, those for, are some good, damn good blades. For Italian guys from Lodi, they are really lacking hair. They are lacking yeah. hair. No kidding. So, here's another one. Uh, I always heard that Doyle's high school girlfriend used to call him Buttercup. That's a, one of the weirder rumors, Dave. Uh, that I cannot uh, confirm. Oh, well, he's blinking. It's true. It almost sounds like it was written, not even a real rumor. <laughs> so I just made it up earlier Almost today. sounds like the premise to a joke. I don't know. Uh, no, I, but I will say that I did spend uh, several hours at the Lodi Public Library uh, when I was researching this book, thumbing through old yearbooks, and I cannot... The, the strangest thing I saw in regards to nickname is there was a candid photo of Jerry on one page, and the caption was, Ah, booby. He must have really liked it. Well, what do you know? Uh, this next rumor, I, I I I think it's pretty true, Dave. The one about uh, the guy that portrayed Squiggy. Oh, David Lander, yeah. Yeah, that he basically he, he was given money, right? Is that how that? I heard he made like over a million dollars doing this. That they bought the rights to the to the Devil Lock from him, right? That's, that's origi- correct. Squiggy origi- was the originator of the Devil he originated Lock. Originated the Devil Lock. That is untrue. You cannot uh, copyright hairstyles in the American court system. Oh man, that's kind of. Believe me, guys, I've tried. Okay. What two idiots would bring up a lawsuit like that? Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and then the one that I heard was that there was uh, that two of the misfits were in a porn film called Night of the Living Dongs. That is untrue. No. Uh, 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 however, uh, Jerry and Doyle were uh, first in line for the uh, Super Bowl in, uh, I think it was the first year the Giants went in 89 or 90. I mean, the first year of my life. But uh, it was, it was, there was a very coveted piece of videotape where ABC goes down to interview the first two people in line, and it's Jerry and Doyle. And they're like, yeah, we love the Giants. But uh, there's no fucking in that clip. And as far as I know, there is no, uh, there is no pornographic footage. That, uh, now you've, you've told me you've seen this a bunch of times. I thought so. Yeah. Unless it was people that just looked like them. That I don't could know. very well be. I can't believe that, the, that two guys in, from Adrenaline OD would be misinformed about something like this. Go figure. Were they clean shaven? Yes. <sighs> mm, you got a point there. You know what I'm saying. You got a point there. Yeah. Well, the last thing that I heard, I heard Jerry only has the patent on the man girdle. That is uh, incorrect based on the volumes and layers of court documents I've gone through. I no, I do not believe he holds any patent on uh, such a product. Fantastic. Well, it's been great having you on the show today dispelling these rumors. I think we learned a lot today. What do you think, Bruce? I think so. Why don't you tell us the name of your new book? Oh, okay. Oh, you mean Brave Punk World? That's the one. The International. Hey, I'm not done. This is a long title. You got to give me a minute here. I'm sorry. I need to stretch. Brave Punk World, the International Rock Underground from Alerta Roja to Z-Off. Currently available in hardcover. Awesome. Can't wait to read that one. I enjoyed the first one. Does it have pictures? Because I don't really read too much. Yeah, it has pictures. Awesome, dude. Thanks, Appreciate it, James. This Thanks, is it? James. <laughs> this is it? I thought this was going to be a deep dive. <laughs> no, that's it. In and out. All right. Thanks, guys. Stigma goes to the movies. Welcome to Stigma Goes to the Movies, a segment where we send this Fengali of cinema, hardcore punk legend Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front to give us his opinions 
on the art of cinema. Ian McFarlane's new documentary, The Godfathers of Hardcore, follows two of the most respected men in hardcore punk, Roger Moret and Vinny Stigma from the legendary New York hardcore band Agnostic Front, a band that is just as vital now as when they started over 30 years ago. Vinny, what did you think of the film, The Godfathers of Hardcore? I cried. I cried like a fucking baby. Stigma goes to the movies. All right, guys, it is time. It is time. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? We are ready to hear the unreleased Misfits record. I'm excited, and normally I'm never really excited for anything. I know this is the most exciting I've seen in forever, man. Yeah, it's true. All right, here it is. I am wow. opening the package. Wow, there it is, man. I know some He's of... had this in loose sight, dude. So he's then Glanzig has not even heard this. I know some record collecting freaks that would go crazy over Oh my this. god, this is like priceless. I'm so thankful. Uh once again I want to thank Den Glanzig for lending us this record. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I really appreciate it. All right, let's go and give it a spin. Awesome. Take it out of its sleeve here. Careful. Careful, Dave. Fuck! Oh my god. Way to go there, Dumpster Dave. Ay, ay, ay. We should go to commercial or something, dude. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's a horror. This show sucks relies on the generosity of people like you. So please go to our merch page at www. ThisShowSucks.com and freaking buy something already. I got all these stickers made. I got these buttons made. They're sitting around. Nobody's buying shit. I got shit everywhere. I'm not asking for a fucking handout. Go and fucking buy something. What the fuck? Bruce is wasting away to nothing. He's gone down 24 belt notches since we started this show. We offer free shipping. You hear that? Free shipping. We're not charging a TSS Prime fee or nothing. Freaking buy something. Once again, that's www.thisshowsex.com. Go to our merch page and friggin' buy something! Well, I can't believe it. We made it through another one, Dave. Hallelujah! So this week it's my turn to pick uh, a favorite song, and I'm going with uh, Combat Love by a band called Shrapnel. That's a great one. They're from Red Bank, New Jersey, and they were huge in our world because they were one of the first bands that really that we knew of being local. Uh, I think the first time I heard this, I was probably about 15 years old. Saw them on the Uncle Floyd show. I rode away. I got the record. And uh, the very first time I ever went to CBGB's was to see Shrapnel. That was probably in 1979. I think I was about 15 or 16. And uh, I remember walking up to the place and seeing an overturned car that had been lit on fire. And uh, and I realized that this, I'd found my people. <laughs> so, uh, and the other cool thing was that we eventually got to work with Danny Ray. Yes, produced uh, our Cruising with Elvis and Bigfoot's UFO album. And, of course, Dave Windorf went on to be in Monster Magnet. He sure did. Um, uh, they had another 7-inch, too, called Cruisin'. Uh, this is a little more power poppy than some of the other stuff uh, you might be expecting from us, but it's just, it's so good. Uh, this record meant so much to us when we were kids. Uh, it was a perfect transition from reading 
Sergeant Rock comic books to listening to the Ramones, and they basically combine those two. You know, and also they were part of a power pop scene that was actually starting to happen in the village. We had the Speedies. That's very true. And, and all these great bands were coming out of the scene, and Shrapnel like were the big one. You know, and, and especially you know they they had some good connections because for a Jersey band they were playing the biggest clubs. Without further ado, Combat Love by Shrapnel. like to be an advertiser or sponsor on This Show Sucks with Dave and Bruce, send us an email, thisshowsuckspodcast at gmail.com.